0: So, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the, uh, the Chess Masters Tournament was held in Indianapolis over the weekend, and it was pretty well attended, I, the way I understand it, which surprises me a little bit. But one of the reporters said that after the games Friday night, there were several of the chess players uh, sitting around in a hotel lobby bragging about their games. You, you know what that's called, don't you, Dave. Those are chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. So, anybody else anybody else in here love that's just who I am, okay? Anybody else in here like hotels? Anybody like to go to hotels? The Kane family would lots for the camp, but we've had to go to lots of hotels over the years. And like everything else, sometimes we have good experiences and sometimes bad. I, I pulled into uh, one last spring and went up to the counter, and the gal said, I got good news for you, Mr. Kane. I said, What? She said, I'm going to give you a free upgrade. And I said, Sweet. And she said, No, but two King beds. So I told her later on, I'm going to keep telling them until I get a good laugh, okay? Later on that afternoon, I went up to her and told her, you know, I, I know I sound like a goofball, but I've forgotten what room I'm in. She said, no problem, I'll tell you. You're in the lobby. And while I was getting, uh, getting my ticket made, you know, new key because I left at a hotel room, uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Photon, is that a funny name? He came to check in, and she said, Mr. Photon, do you have any luggage? He said, no, I'm a traveling light. A rabbit worked there, the best bellhop we ever had. Okay, I'm done. We, We didn't find a hotel, actually. We looked and looked and looked and finally went to the last resort. Do you think God ever feels that way about us, though? Laughing at us like we're ordering room service or something. You know, we say, Lord, please uh, let us have a great weekend. Uh, the wedding's outside, and we don't want it to rain. Lord, please help us hit the lottery. I mean, we, we just need the money. Please, Lord, we just want to win this week. Please, Lord, uh, would you help us have a good, good, good vacation? In Jesus' name, amen. Do you think he ever chuckles to himself and says, what, what do you think this is, the Holiday Inn? You think I'm the bellboy or something? James chapter 4 says, we don't have because we don't ask, and we don't receive because when we do ask, we ask with bad motives, so we can spend it on ourselves. While we're on the subject, I'll tell you, there's a lot of difference between a hotel and the kingdom of God too, right? In a hotel, you don't even know who owns it, let alone who's running it. In God's kingdom, our Father's the landlord. He owns everything. In a hotel, you get what you get, good or bad. Chips, waffles, cookies, in-room movies, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. In the kingdom of God, it's not like that. James 1.15 says, every good gift comes from above. It's all good. In, in a hotel, uh, everybody's running around trying to take care of you. In a good hotel, they're waiting on you hand and foot. It's not like that in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the greatest among you is going to be the servant. We serve each other. But the biggest difference is in a hotel, you got to pay for the services. I mean, sure, you can leave it on the Visa card if you want, Mr. King, but sooner or later, you got to pay for it. Not so in the kingdom of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. All of this is free. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Now, we decided last week we're almost done with 40-day prayer challenge. We're not going to wait eight years to do it again. We're done this Thursday, and then, of course, the big thing Friday night. You don't want to miss that. I know it's a Friday night, but, man, you've got to come. But um, we decided last week that we were going to pray through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to end this thing up. If you prayed through Matthew 5 this week, what you found was the model prayer. Isn't that cool? They said, teach us to pray. Jesus said, okay, this is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in verse eleven is what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Give us today our daily bread. He said. He taught us to pray that. So it's clear up front that it's okay with Jesus to ask God for anything. You can ask for anything, but we want to make sure we ask right, because even though all of us in here are Christians, and even though we're joiners with Jesus Christ, and even though our father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, he is not a divine bellboy. He's not the genie in the magic lamp. He's the creator of the universe. And when we speak to Him and ask Him, we need to do it right. So what do we find from this? Well, right off the bat, number one, the first thing I want us to see in this passage is this prayer should be a daily experience. Way beyond a 40-day prayer challenge. This would be something we do every day. And let's be honest, not everybody does that. A lot of people are on the once-a-week plan. Because they're so busy running around, they like to come in here on Sunday and get it all done. Come to the communion table, get to the altar, pray it up, and get out of here. Some people are on the emergency plan. They don't pray much at all, unless a kid gets lost, or somebody gets sick, or they have an injury, or there's problems in the marriage, or problem down to the bank, and then you send up a flare. To these people, prayer's like a can of mace or a fire extinguisher. You're glad you got it, hope you never have to use it. But Jesus is making it clear that he intends for this to be a daily practice. He doesn't say, give us this week our daily bread. Give us this month our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Dwight Moody writes, a man can no more take a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough food to last six months or taking enough air in his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. And man, that's the least we can do. Grace is amazing. Surely once a day. You know the Muslims preach, or they pray five times a day? It's the law. David in the Old Testament said that he looked towards Jerusalem three times a day and prayed. Once a day for us? We've already found out that when we pray together as a church, it unleashes the power of God on the church. We still haven't seen yet what's going to happen. But it also unleashes the power in your life to do this daily. Look, there's other things you do every day that are practical and necessary. I mean, you take a shower every day, you put on deodorant, brush your teeth every day. I mean, I hope you do. Some of you need to, you know, just getting around. But some of the things we do are necessary and good and practical. You uh, kiss your wife goodbye in the morning, kiss the kids goodbye, you eat a healthy breakfast, you make sure the garage door's up before you back out. Good, practical things that we do every day. And this broken record prayer preacher is going to challenge everybody in here again to make prayer a daily practice way beyond 40 days. Way beyond 40 days. And I don't just mean a quick one like, uh, good morning, Lord, bless me today, or good night, Lord, it's been a good day, or please bless this food to the nourish my body. I'm talking about quality time. I was talking to Jackie Goss last week about, you know, most of you in here know that my alarm goes off every hour all day long, and it reminds me who I am, and, and I've got several of you on my every hour prayer list right now. And uh, I, can't re- I cannot think of maybe one or two other attacks in my life from the enemy that were more vicious than that Than when I decided to do that 25 years ago. Didn't realize that why then, now I know. It's a life change to be in communication every hour, all day long with the Lord. And we need to teach each other to do that. We need to teach our kids to do that. Every one of our kids in here has got a cell phone. Tell them to set the alarm to go off every hour, all day long. Not just at 633. Every hour all day long and be in communication with Jesus. It's changed their lives. Our kids need that. And our kids are going to get to be teenagers and above before you know it. And they're going to need to go pray to the Lord. And they're going to have to understand that there's a whole lot more to the promises of Jesus Christ than just bless this food to the nourishment of my body. And they're not going to learn that unless you teach them. They're not going to drift into this. You're not going to drift into this. This is a daily discipline, a daily practice. I read one time, 21 days makes a habit. If you do something for 21 days, it's harder not to do it on the 22nd day than it is to do it. Somebody says, well, I don't want my prayer to be a habit. Uh, I'm with you, but I want to be in the habit of prayer, amen? So it's a discipline, a daily discipline. And the second thing it's, uh, that Jesus wants us to see, this is also a daily need. We pray, give us this day, our daily, we're we're acknowledging to God that we need Him every day. We need Him right now. Now, one of the best examples of that, of course, is in Exodus chapter 16, when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Israel into the promised land. What a story. I mean, if you haven't read that for a while, you've got to read it. It'll beat anything you're watching on Netflix, I guarantee you. It's amazing. you got two, maybe three million people, and God led them during the night with a pillar of fire and during the day with a cloud. He parted the Red Sea. Remember all the plagues? All these things these people saw. All this provision. You'd think these people would follow God anywhere, you know? They'd trust Him with everything. Eh, not so much. He had to continue to teach them to trust Him every day. And and then, of course, you know the manna thing. We've talked about this. He, He sent them manna every day to teach them. Chapter 16, verse 14 says, Every morning when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost appeared on the ground. Frosted flakes from heaven. And they were great. Right. Now you guys expected that, right? But God was teaching them, look, I'm going to take care of you every day. He's hand-feeding them from heaven. And remember what he said? Hey, don't store it more than you need. You just take what you need right now. If you try to store it up, it's going to stink. Get maggots in it. So everybody in camp would know if you didn't trust God during the day. And you all remember the story. It went along real good for a while. And then human nature took over and they got sick of manna. We're tired of manna. Manna in the morning, manna at lunch, manna at night. We've had boiled banana, uh, boiled manna, baked manna. We've had manna fricassee. We've had manna splits and manna connie, manna burger. We're tired of manna. And you're thinking, man, these people have got hand-fed from God, and it's not enough. Brad Mitchell did some uh, math on this thing. He said 40 years, 365 days a year, that's 14,600 days. You figure 2.5 million people at at a quart uh, of manna a day. That's 1.8 quarts of manna a year, 72 bill, 1.8 billion a year, 72 billion quarts of manna, and these people weren't happy. What do you think when you read that story? You think Brad Mitchell needs to get a life. No, you're thinking, how, how can these people have the hand fed from God and it not be enough? Aren't you glad we're not like that? Aren't you glad we never go to a restaurant having just eaten a meal that millions of people on this planet will never see and leave griping about how the steak wasn't cooked right or the potato was cold or the service was slow? Kind of makes you think, doesn't it? This was a lesson for Israel to learn to trust God every day for their food. And Jesus teaches us to pray each day, give us today our daily bread. Now, I'm going to tell you the problem up front for us is that all of us in here have grown up in the richest nation the world has ever seen. And so this prayer seems kind of ridiculous. You know, it seems kind of silly. God, give us this day our daily bread. Are you kidding me? Most of us in here have a lot of bread in our house. Some of us in here have food left over from Y2K scare. Some of us are already putting food up for the next scare. There's a good percentage of people in here are begging God to help them lose some weight. And still, it's not enough. We want more steak, more potatoes, more french fries, more ice cream. And today's not enough. We want long-term security. We want 401Ks and retirement and all that. I've fallen into that trap too. And so if all God is offering us is daily bread, we got that one covered. Thank you very much. Well, there was a church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, that felt the same way. And this is what Jesus said to them. You say I'm rich and have acquired wealth and don't need a thing? But you don't realize that you are wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked because they lost their need for God. Everybody in here knows when they're needed and they know when they need something. I read about a a man and his wife that were walking down uh, one of the New York streets after um, a a late night Broadway, Broadway play. And they came upon a horrific scene. There were six men beating up on a little old lady. And as they got closer, the wife noticed, oh my goodness, that's my mom. Go help quick. And the husband said, nah, I think six is enough. See, we got to understand when we need something, okay? (laughs) And we need to understand we need God every day. It's in Him that we live and move and have our very being. Jesus tells about a rich farmer who had a couple of real good seasons in Luke 14, and so he said to himself, self, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tear down all our little bitty barns, and we're going to build these great big barns, and we're going to store up all our wealth and riches, and then we're going to sit back and take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry, and God said, you fool. Tonight, this very night, you're... Your soul is going to be required of you. Who gets all this stuff then? And this is what Jesus said. you got to listen carefully because, you know, this this is a two-way deal here. He said, this is how it's going to be for anybody who stores up for themselves riches on earth and is not rich towards God. And is not rich towards God. You, you, You say, oh, you mean we can't pray for wealth and riches? I didn't say that at all. The Bible's full of people ask God to bless them in a mighty way. I have asked God on several occasions to bless me in a mighty way. We need to know that we need to acknowledge first that we need Him every minute of every day to live and move and have our very being. I want to get us down to the um, altar to pray over this this morning. Uh, Before we do, I want to leave you with four great things that will happen, or five, If you pray this prayer constantly, number one, it will help stop worry in your life. Some of us got worry down in art form. We're worrying about things that might not ever happen, and we're worrying about things that are going to happen we can't do anything about anyway. I read a story about uh, Dr. Jerome Frank. He's a psychiatrist, used to be on the board at John Hopkins University. He might still be, although I don't think so. But anyway, he said... When he gets on an airplane and people find out he's a psychiatrist, he can't get away. They, they talk all the way to wherever it is they're going. And he said years ago, he got on a flight. Uh, he'd just started practicing. So th- this was before the screening and all that stuff. And he got on board this ball plane, and the guy next to him was terrified. And he said, what's the matter to He said, I'm terrified of flying. And he said, why? And he said, well, uh, last year I got on a plane and three rows up in front of me, a guy had a bomb. He was going to kill his mother-in-law right there. He wanted to kill his mother-in-law. By the way, you do know that's the definition of mixed emotion. Your mother-in-law going over a cliff in your brand new car. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. But anyway, they, of course, made it through this thing, but it just shook this guy up. And Dr. Frank said, well, how'd you get over it? And he said, well, I took some classes on how to get over your fear of flying. And in the class, they told me that the odds are one in 100,000 that somebody would take a bomb on a plane. And Dr. Frank said, that helped. then? He said, no, no, no. I got to thinking those are pretty good odds. You know, it's just a matter of time before this happens again. But he said, I also got to thinking if the odds are one in 100,000 if one guy had a bomb, uh, the odds must be one in several million if two guys have a bomb. So every time I fly, I take my own bomb with me. Now, I don't know if that's a true story or not, but that pretty sums up how we are with worry. And when we pray this prayer, God, uh, give us today our daily bread, we understand He's got our back. There's nothing we have to worry about. What can man do to me? You know what I mean? Secondly, this prayer will help us be content with what we have. And let's be honest, some of us struggle with that too. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we get to thinking, oh my goodness, at my house i got a whole lot more bread. i got hamburger and steak and cube steak and I've got... You know, we got slice and baked cookies. Oh, man, they're good. And we got frozen pizza and we got macaroni and cheese. Lord, we're so blessed. Help me to be content with it. Help me, Lord, to understand every day how blessed I am and not say silly things like there's nothing in this house to eat or I don't like those kind of noodles. Help us to be content with what we have. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, we're going to take nothing out. If we have food and clothes, we'll be content with that. Thirdly, we pray this prayer to help us love each day that we're alive. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're reminded we're alive today. Are you here today? I mean, we were talking about that this morning. We got another day. David said, we're just a step between here and death. James says, we're just, our life's like a mist. Here, one day and gone the next. And when we pray this prayer, we're acknowledging that this is a great day to be alive. We're alive. The the LA Times reprinted this story not too long ago. And and I remembered, I love this story. It's from Ann Wells. She said, my brother-in-law opened the bottom drawer of my sister's dresser and lifted out a tissue-wrapped package. He discarded the tissue and handed me her slip. It was exquisite, silk, silk handmade, trimmed with a cobweb of lace. The price tag with an astronomical figure on it was still attached. Jan bought this the first time we went to New York, he said, at least eight or nine years ago. She never wore it. She was saving it for a special occasion. He took the slip from me and put it on the bed with the other clothes that we were taking to the mortician. His hands hands lingered and The soft material for a minute, and then he slammed the door shut and turned to me and said, Don't ever save anything for a special occasion. Every day you're alive is a special occasion. I remembered those words throughout the funeral and the days that followed when I helped him and my niece attend to all the sad chores that followed an unexpected death. And those words have changed my life too. I'm not saving anything anymore. We use our good china and crystal for every special event, such as losing a couple of pounds or getting the sink unstopped or the first blossom of spring. Some days and one of these days are losing their grip on my vocabulary. If it's worth seeing, hearing, or doing, I want to see here and do it today. I'm trying not to put off, hold back, or save anything that would add laughter or luster to our lives. And every morning when I open my eyes, I tell myself, this is a special day. And when we pray that prayer, give us the day, our daily bread, we're being reminded we got another one. This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Fourthly, this prayer fills us up with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, and don't we need that? Jesus, when he was tempted, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then one time when he was talking to the Samaritan woman, some of you here on Wednesday nights, Eric was just teaching that to us. The disciples came back, and they said, we brought you lunch. And he said, uh, I've got food. And they said, oh, man, we, we didn't know you had food. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. My food is to do the will of, of the one who sent me. But I think the neatest thing he said about bread was after he fed 5,000 people, and they were marching on him trying to get him to do it again, he said, I'm telling you, you're, you're coming to me because I, I fed you with bread, and I fed you with fish, but I'm telling you, I am the bread of life. And anybody that partakes of me will never go hungry again. I want to ask you something. How in the world are you going to help that friend of yours that's having a drug problem right now? What are you going to say to the person who's depressed and they don't know what to do? How are you going to work out this marriage deal that you've got going on? How are you going to help your kids? You know know that buddy of yours having an alcohol problem? How how are you going to find the wisdom to fix that deal at work, that thing that's going on at work? Uh, What in the world? How are we going to figure out whether or not to do this or do that, whether this mandate or that mandate or which? How are you going to figure all that out? I'll tell you how. Give us this day our daily bread, the daily portion of your Holy Spirit telling me what to do and and how to live with uh, disappointment and trouble and triumph. And then one last thing, saying this prayer every day, well, keep us from being so doggone selfish. You know what I mean? When we pray our Father instead of my Father, when we pray your will be done instead of my will be done, when we pray give us today our daily bread instead of give me today my bread, it it changes things up. It reminds us that it's not all about us. And, man, that's hard to take. It's hard to remember. I'm rereading... Mark Batterson's book, All In. Look at the smiles over on that side of the church. And rereading uh, Circle Prayer, too. The guy is a prayer animal. But anyway, in uh, second or third chapter of All In, he, he talks about uh, this. He says that we, we've got this idea. And he said, so it, when we're small, that's the way things are. When you're little, it, you're hand-fed on the front end and hand-cleaned on the back end. And he said, that's okay when you're two, when you're 20. Something wrong with that picture. News flash, he says. You're not the center of the universe. And we're not. And when we pray this prayer every day, it reminds us that we're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and then love each other as ourselves. And, and when we pray this prayer, we say, Lord, please help it not to rain this weekend because of the wedding, but your will be done. We're being reminded that there might be a farmer a quarter mile down the road that needs that rain. Your will be done. When we say, Lord, please help my son make the team means so much to him, but your will be done. We're we're being reminded that there might be another little boy here that if he doesn't make that team, he's going to be in real trouble. So he needs something to focus on football or basketball or whatever it is. We say, Lord, please, I want to marry the, the prettiest girl there is. He answered that for me, but he doesn't for everybody. We say your will be done. We're reminded that there might be a girl just two or three rows over might not be the most beautiful woman we would ever seen, but she's gorgeous and she's beautiful and in the inside and she's praying for a godly husband. See, it's not about us. It's about him. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this morning the bread of life at this table, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ that made all this possible. But you know, I was also thinking this morning, <clears throat> we, we've been kind of pounding a little bit, people that are coming on Sunday that haven't accepted Jesus yet. And I really don't know this morning who that would be in this service. I've got a pretty good idea in the second service sometimes. But remember last week we talked about the guy that went to church one Sunday and gave his life to Christ because the little boy said, do you want to become a Christian? He said, no, and he said, go to hell then. We talk like that because I, I really think time's coming close. And if not, maybe your time's coming close. And if you're here today and you have not accepted Christ your personal Lord and Savior? The best thing is to come up here and do it. But if not, would you at least come and say, I'm interested. Let's talk. Jesus loves that. Remember when when he first came to the disciples, um, Thomas wasn't there. And so he visited with them a little bit. And and they left. And Thomas came in. They said, the Lord was here. And he said, no way. (laughs) Doubting Thomas, right? Remember what he said? He said, I'm telling you, unless I can put my fingers in the hole and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. A week later, all together again, Jesus shows up in the room, and they're thinking, Thomas, you're in trouble. That's not how it worked. And Jesus said, Thomas, come here. Put your finger right there. Put your hand right there. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He said, blessed are you because you've seen and believed. Blessed are those who haven't seen it. I just want to remind you that Jesus is fine with honest doubt. And if you're here this morning and you're still wrestling with what this is real or not, please come and talk to me because that's what Jesus says. Check me and see. At least check me out. <laughs> look, look at some history. Talk to Jimmy Kane. Talk to somebody else here. At least look it up. If you've looked it all up and you still don't believe, then so be it. Your will be done. But at least check it out. Would you do that much? Your eternity is wrapped up in it. The rest of us, the bread of life is at the table ready for you to partake.